from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am one of your many co-hosts. To my virtual right, left, or wherever, we have Gretchen Brooks and David Heath. How are you two doing this 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 fine week? I am well. <laughs> You're feeling better? I, I feel much better. That's good. good. That's good, good. Good, good. And the goat children are good? They're, they're goats are hungry. <laughs> Uh, Goats are always out there. They're doing well. <laughs> All right. I'm just chilling. I've got a, I'm going on the, my camping trip on Monday. Um, Monday through Wednesday. I'm going to go camping at the coast. Get some oh, ocean nice. side views. Super neat. My, my, my weekend's going to consist of building multiple guitars, canjos, and prepping for the next major string of markets coming up for me. So... If you find yourself in Hawkinson or the Vancouver uh, Wine and Beer Festival or the Vancouver Jazz and Wine Festival, I I will be there with bells and banjos or canjos and guitars and and blasters. So, you know, look for me. That sounds (laughs) fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I almost thought you were going to say if you find yourself in Hawkins from uh, uh, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, no. But the the guitars I'm selling uh, do look like the guitars from Stranger Things at the oh we got Eddie's guitar his flying yeah, V yeah yes yeah so I got got a bunch of those uh, my friend knowledge check boom passed yep. <laughs> so yeah yeah we got those and uh, that's that's going on uh, throughout June July and August so so check us out wherever I'll update so. Yeah, uh, this week we're talking about what Shantax, Seabury uh, Quinn, and the film The Gate. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. 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 Dave, I'd like you to start us out this week with uh, with uh, information on Shantax. 
Shantek, so I have a new word. Yeah. See if I can find it here. <laughs> He's uh, got to find his word. Yeah, no, no, I wrote it down. Uh, Hippophenolic or something. Hippocrite? Okay. No, uh, it's... Uh, I, I, it means, like, horse head. Oh. Oh. And, and, and Lovecraft, Lovecraft uses it to describe the Shantax. Oh. And so, um, are you ready? I'm going to mispronounce it because I mispronounce everything. Hippocephalic. H I P P C E P H. No, H I P P O C E P H A L I C. Wow. That, sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if Dave didn't pronounce it right, uh, you you make your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I'm got if we're gonna get dinged for not pronouncing things, I'm long canceled. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean this this podcast would have never started. But <laughs> and, and do speaking, you know how many times Lovecraft uses that word? How many times he uses it? Seven times, I think. Yeah. Oh wow. He 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 goes to town. He almost likes it as much as he likes Cyclopean because he uses it seven times in the uh uh Dream Quest of uh Las Kadath. Okay. Oh neat out. Okay. I gotta so, say that's pretty dry. <laughs> yeah. I just read that um, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. I hadn't read it before, uh-huh. and I mean, I I've read parts of the Dreamlands, obviously, but like this one was one that was kind of like me. Who passed on it? And yeah, that's a super dry, super super dry story. Is this like the beginning of his career, or is this the end of his career? Oh, geez, it's. I'm trying to think. Um, so I believe I'm I'm going to look it up. But I believe it's about 1926. Because there's definitely a shift in tone. I mean, I get it's like yeah. Carter, and that's like the story. Like he's the main character, and he shows up quite a few times in other stories. But like, is it's just such a different vibe than, let's see, um, at the Mountains of Madness, or well, you know? I, I feel like this was written while Lovecraft was. Uh, engaged about to be married and it's like the mythos stuff is like what happened after he was in new york and then moved back to boston or uh moved back to providence yeah, and it was 1927 like, okay. yeah yeah 1927 is what yeah and, so yeah and, and i think it's the last of the dream stories yep it sort of goes from the dreamlands and then goes into his cosmic horror. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the vibe. Is like it feels like um, I don't. It's definitely not a magnum opus, of course. No. But it's um, of the Dreamland stories, this is not my favorite. Um, and I know we're not talking about um, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. We're talking about Shantex, but I just know that there's like that. That's what gets. That's where I. Only thing I know of its knowledge about them, as far as what story they were in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they I, seem. Are they like best? Is where they called Thestral or something like that? And she who not be shall be named books about a certain young wizard. Oh, I was thinking you were talking about uh, 
about uh, uh, Haggard, uh, uh, the book She. But no, you're talking about the book about uh, written like in the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought so, you were talking about S writer Haggard. I was going <laughs> I don't remember no, the you know, Alan Quarren. One from story, Britain that is canceled. <laughs> um, those, I, I never read those books. Yeah, there, well, there's this character, this creature that they described as like a, um, like a horse like bat scales. Yeah. They're called they call them thestrals, but you can only see them if you've experienced death. So it's like a it's like a MacGuffin in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, also, I, I heard that they used a lot of Lovecraft in those. But maybe. Yeah. Um, Delta Green uses it kind of like that, but you can uh, only if you've experienced a lot of death, and you can only kind of see it out of the corner of your eye. But otherwise, they look like kind of uh, look like people, but not quite like people. There's like a character who's a Shantak. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a haunting horror. That's a haunting horror. <laughs> yeah, I was... Okay. I, I, I get my horse-headed... Uh... <laughs> horse-headed um, Lovecraftian monsters. Yeah, mixed yeah. Up. I mean, the only other thing I read about them is that they apparently their food is... Their eggs are really delicious. Ooh. Yeah. And, and oh. they're afraid of the night gums. Yep. Oh, well, I would be afraid of night gaunts, too. Yeah. They are ticklers. <laughs> yeah. And, yes, yeah, night, night gaunts. Well, now we're getting way off, but I have a theory about that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, night gaunts were basically a reoccurring nightmare of Lovecraft when he was five. Okay. And ah. so my theory has always been, and that they, you know, they tickle and you lose control. That's how adults control little kids. They pick them up and tickle them. And that's what I always figured it was some sort, especially because Lovecraft's mom was afraid of him touching other human beings. She literally was afraid that if people held both his hands at the same time, they'd rip his arms off. Oh my God! Really? I mean, we know Lovecraft has issues. Let's. It's yeah. been you know over and over. We've said that, but like, yeah. oh, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Susie Lovecraft, and Susie was her middle name. She dies in the same mental institution that Lovecraft's father dies in. Huh. So, wow. but yeah, but, and I know we're way off. Maybe we should save this for for night gun. But I've always thought that that was some sort of repressed childhood thing. You know, being left up and tickled because if you're five years old, that's scary. Oh, or, man, that's you probably yeah. are onto something. My, my my theory is, uh, it's it's what he uses as an excuse for why he peed the bed. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if Lovecraft peed the bed, but he had had dreams of being tickled so much he peed the bed, and yeah. Biographers just leave that part out. No, I, I, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking, everyone. Do not write that in your Lovecraft paper. Badwater. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Chat GPT has already put that in 10 different uh, t uh, final exams. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I mean, um, are there more things about the Shantak other than like they're just a base description character that like that it's, it doesn't even have like it doesn't even seem to be it's not even really like a character in this story it's just yeah. kind of a that's a thing that there you know yeah. those yeah, are there 
it's it's kind of like describing the uh the the uh the the, the fauna of of the dreamlands without actually going into it it's kind of like there's stuff in the vale of panath with the ghouls and the ghasts mm-hmm. and the doles and the uh uh gugs my favorite the yeah. Well, actually, ghouls are my favorite, but gugs are pretty cool too. But th- th- there's there's aspects of things that are not really gone into in that section, and also there's stuff that's just kind of glossed over throughout the story. And I feel like Shantax are one of those where it's like they're not really fleshed out. But that's the cool thing about them is your mind can fill in what they are. But yeah, yeah. So, right so, on. To me, it's kind of like Lovecraft's version of a Pegasus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, looking at the picture I have on the uh, Lovecraft wiki, uh-huh. totally. Because they, they ride <laughs> around them, and they're sort of mysterious at night. And the best of my knowledge, they only appear in two stories of the original stuff. Yeah. And one of them's questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dream Quest, of course, but also uh, the Gable Window. Oh, that's a uh, that's isn't that a joint effort with? Uh, yeah, yeah. Augie Dog Derleth. Yeah, Derleth just added a little tiny, tiny bit. No, yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it is. And I mean, obviously, you know, you read it because the, the main character is. It's almost like a scientific log if you're looking into the, the dreamlands, and you know, so. Uh, he looks at the window and he sees Shantax a couple of times. Um, but again, who really picked them up? And honestly, the first place I came across them, uh-huh. role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chaosium. But, um, you know, Pathfinder really went hard into Lovecraftian. And uh, they're... Uh, now, what what do our friends at Paizo uh, say about Shantax? Well, that's a good question. Let us look that up. Well, I say the one thing that did when I kind of, again, sort of skimmed through Dream Quest it, is that there's a throwaway line where um, they don't have feathers, that they've got lizard skin. So they're yeah. almost yeah. more like dragons. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what made me think they look like Thestrals, Thestrals, whatever the heck that is. Or like, um, what is that? Um, Unseely fey creature like that has a kind of a horse head like that. Oh, 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 um, I can't pronounce its name, but I know what you're talking about. Or there's a couple unseely kind of fey creatures yeah. that have like a horse head or or look like a horse with uh, a body on it or that kind of stuff. But are, yeah. you, are you talking like the sea, the, the, the one in the water that has like a body on the back or the one the that looks ke- like Kelpie or? Kelpie, yeah. I think, is what it okay. is. Okay. Or what are the ones that drag you? Is that Kelpies that drag you into the water that are like they they're like they come up they look like horses that are half submerged. Is that I a think silky? That's one of the ways they can look, or silkies maybe. Yeah. I thought silkies were seals. Yeah, is I think silky? kelpies. I think you're right. Yeah. Kelpies. Well, I mean, probably something that's horse looking that's in the water that'll drag you into the ocean. That's probably in real life a seal. <laughs> Nixie yeah. is a similar animal. Okay. All right. or, and that's like a German uh, version. Gotcha. Uh, the Nekalavi. 
or the knock knock in or whatever yeah, uh, yeah that's the one i was thinking of that i don't know how to pronounce <laughs> noxen knocking knocking yeah. i don't know i i don't i do not speak <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it seems kind of moot at this point due to the fact that there's just not enough Shantek stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and even, you know, I did jump on the uh, on the Piazza website. Uh-huh. And they kind of, I was a little bit, they kind of use them almost like uh, between um, harpies and uh, gargoyles. Oh, interesting. Huh. Oh, yeah. I totally could see that. Yeah. Harpies and gargoyles. I like that. Because well, I, I, they're like kind of half seated and they have like the weird backward leg thing. And then they got, I mean, of course, I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking at the HP Lovecraft wiki. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <The> images. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like, uh, but just something kind of like horse-like that's kind of scaly and has horns and wings it's like oh man that's that's kind of cool looking <laughs> do they serve any purpose other than being a background descriptor are, are they like servants of like narlethotep or yeah yeah and weren't, weren't they like primarily transportation are they I, transportation I, I don't know i'm asking you dave i'm thinking i'm thinking that that's sort of well, the idea is that they were that that you ride them. They, that's okay. why I was thinking it's like the Pegasi. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. They look rideable. Yeah. And and is this is a Shantak and a Bayaki pretty much the same thing? I'm gonna say no. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say and, and, I don't and, know. You know. And, <laughs> So, so, but they are kind of both riding, and and our good friend, you know, Ken Hyde always describes the Bayaki as, as like ducks. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they they ride them on the uh, the river in the festival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would I've always thought, and maybe this is again because I've been influenced by the pictures of Chaosium. Sure. I always thought that the Bayaki are closer to night gaunts than they are the the uh, Shantak. Sure, and sure. One okay. thing I yeah. did notice when I was perusing uh, uh, Dream Quest today. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's like Shantak's come up like 43 times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At the beginning, it's almost always the Shantak hyphen bird. Okay. They so keep writing. He starts dropping that hyphen bird. And, you know, even when he says they don't have feathers that they have like lizard-like skin. He he definitely, and, you know, and he uses you know that horse head, but he uses the term bird to describe them even more. Okay, okay, so it could just be a bipedal lizard thing with a big old horse head kind of head. Gnarly. Yeah. Now and, I'm thinking of like the dragon on like the. Uh, 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 what is it? Whales or is it? Uh... Oh, horsehead Jenny. Oh no no no! no. I was, I was I'm, I'm just thinking of like the 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 uh, red dragon on the Welsh flag. Oh. Um, okay. The curl yeah. tail with the spike on it. So totally. I, Welsh or Cornish? I can't remember. 
anyway. But yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it could just be, uh, you know, it just like, that's just, it has a big, large horse-shaped head, I guess. But I mean, if, if, if no one had even heard of a T-Rex before, they might call that horse-shaped. I don't know. Totally. No. But yeah, Shantax, not a lot to talk about. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> the kind of background. All right. Uh, up next, we'll be uh, Dave will be talking about Seabury Quinn, and uh, yeah, and then after that, we're going to be talking about The Gate. So this is another movie that Gretchen picked, and it's one of my <laughs> one, one, one of my uh, one of my childhood favorites. I have to say. So we'll be talking about that soon. But first, I just want to say, if you need a 3D printer, the price for the Cobra Go has dropped twenty dollars. They they released uh, a second generation of Cobra Goes. So the first generation Cobra Goes, they're 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 priced to go. So check the out Cobra Goes are about to go. Yeah, yeah. Check out the uh, link in the show notes to find out how you can save money with any cubic. And there's going to be some codes for filament and just discounts in general. So check that out. And yeah, um, moving on to the next part. Just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook. We're under People's Guide the Cthulhu mythos. We're on Twitter. I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed if you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason. You can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube, where this episode will be. And, uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. I want to tell you all about something. I want to tell you about a guy I know. In a place. This is Dave's Corner of the Podcast. It is awesome. It's gonna go fast. It's not the interview pod. Ha ha. Hey everyone, it's me, Dave, Farmer Dave, and I thought we'd talk a little bit about pulp, pulp stories and pulp writers. And to start things off, I've got a question for you. Who do you think was the most successful pulp writer in his lifetime? Well, I kind of 
tipped it off a little bit by saying his. Um, well, that's not much of a clue since 95% of the pulp writers were male. So I'm going to set a few guidelines here. My question, my guideline. So we're going to eliminate writers who were successful in other ways and who started out as pulp writers. So, you know, uh, so we're not going to count uh, Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, uh, Robert E. Heinlein, or pulp writers who started their own religion. I'm looking at you, L. Ron Hubbard. And by success, we're going to go by amount of stories published, name reputation during their lifetime, and money. It always comes down to money. So, because this is a show about the Cthulhu mythos, maybe you would say H.P. Lovecraft. Well, like many authors, Lovecraft didn't have success in his lifetime. He basically starved himself to death because he did not make enough money. His reputation is actually going to start building in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because of Arkham House. If I didn't know the answer, you know, maybe I would have guessed Robert E. Howard. I mean, the man did create Conan the Barbarian, and he did have a degree of fame, a pretty big slice of fame, but he didn't become this superstar until, again, after his death and with the uh, publication of the trade paperback by uh, the Ace Lancer publications uh, with those uh, Frazetta pictures that basically made uh, Conan the uh, icon that, it, that he would become. Um, so maybe you would say, uh, you know, if it's not Lovecraft, it's not Howard. What if it is the third member of the Unholy Trinity, Clark Ashton Smith? Now, Smith had some success, got a little bit money, more money than Lovecraft. He was also a rather well-renowned poet before he became a pulp writer. But no, it's not Smith. It's Seabury Quinn. More than likely, right now, you're saying, who? In a lot of ways, Quinn is going to be the anti-Lovecraft. He is going to be successful in his lifetime. He is going to be educated. He is going to have a career. He is going to have a, a following during his lifetime. And in the opposite of Lovecraft, he is also going to become less popular after he dies. Quinn also does something that Lovecraft is denied. He's allowed military service in World War I. He obtains a law degree and becomes passes the bar, becomes a lawyer. He publishes over 500 pieces, which Lovecraft, to best of our knowledge, and yeah, it gets a little messy because, um, you know, how much of... The uh, later stuff was Derelith writing under Lovecraft's name, but best estimate, Lovecraft had 60 stories, where um, Quinn had over 500 published pieces, including two uh, legal books. He was a full-time lawyer 
who worked mainly in early movie law, but also for mortician law, which it's kind of weird that there was such thing as mortician law, uh, lawyers for morticians. I mean, how do you hurt a dead person? But not only did he write books about it, he also published, you know, their magazine. He was considered an expert on it. But he did write a lot of mysteries. And the most famous mysteries, uh, horror, uh, his most famous is his uh, Jules de Gardin stories. And Jules is the, he's an occult detective. He's not just an occult detective. He is the occult detective. So take um, a little bit of Abraham Van Helsing, a little bit of Sherlock Holmes, and then spice him up with a little bit of James Bond. He uh, worked for the French National Police, but he's got kind of like, basically he has legal enforcement powers throughout the world. And a lot of his stories end up in New Jersey, where he has a doctor companion who writes his stories, and a lot like Watson. Um, now, Gardin appears in 90 stories. That's, you know, 30 more than Lovecraft wrote with any character or any idea. And the most, the character that repeats the uh, most appearances in the Lovecraft stories is, of course, Randolph Carter, who appears in what, six, five or so? So Gardin is basically an expert in forensics. He's a medical doctor, an expert on the occult. And Gardin's stories are going to I wouldn't say they are maybe as saucy or racy, and again, you don't see the air quotes as, say, Robert E. Howard, but there was enough in them that close to 1820 were going to have parts where the artists could draw female-centric covers. And we talked a little bit about this last week, where... If there could be a little bit of sauciness, that that would get the cover, because back then, like now, scantily clothed women, you know, sold magazines. Where last week we were talking about, we could only come up with two cover stories in Lovecraft's lifetime. Another difference that's going to happen is in the Gardin stories, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this because I mispronounce English words, uh, little French words, but in these stories, a lot of them center around love, romance, or, or relationships, something that Lovecraft would completely avoid, of course. Now, Quinn, who, who often published under the name Jerome Burke, the irony was he didn't really need the money. He did this out of pure enjoyment. He loved writing. Uh, unlike, I mean, he was making good buck being a lawyer. Uh, unlike Lovecraft, who was making, you know, basically just living off pennies most of his life, um, 
who also did, I think, right out of pure love, uh, you know, it did not matter to Quinn. He just didn't need the money. Ironically enough, as the pulps begin to die and Quinn's writings become to come, you know, out of vogue, it's Arkham House that does one of the first uh, collections of his, his stories. Another thing where he is different from Lovecraft is Quinn is going to outlive him by 30 years. Uh, he's going to die on Christmas Eve in 1969. Eight years after he passed away, Quinn's novel Alien Flesh is published. And in ways, this is a progressive story where it's basically an archaeologist who has a supernaturally forced sex change. And it really does sort of, for the time it was written, and so it was written in the 30s, even though it wasn't published for another 40 years, and there are going to be stories about people becoming different genders, Orlando, of course, but Quinn does capture a lot of the essence of these what it is to be masculine and feminine to a point. So even um, as, uh, you know, Jules de Jardin uh, becomes stories are, are written later on, his character has a very masculine personality, but he's beginning, he later on describes them in more feminine tones. I don't think anyone would describe Quinn as what we would now say woke, but in ways he was more progressive than a lot of his contemporaries. Now, in general, his stories, I kind of see them as sort of the pulp equivalent to 1980s must-see sitcoms that for their time they were hits, they were successful, but we kind of outgrew them as a society. In a lot of ways, his writings were comfort food for the pulps. People liked them, they enjoyed them, they were shocked. They, you know, saw the things they wanted to see. Sometimes the creatures were supernatural, and sometimes they weren't. A lot of his stories, too, are going to be pre, you know, Universal Monsters. So we see this pre-Universal Monsters versions of werewolves and vampires and ghosts before the tropes that we're used to now were locked in. That said, as I kind of dissed Quinn, he wrote what I think is the single best pulp story ever in 1940, The Lesser Brother Mourn. And in ways, he's kind of progressive with religions, but, you know, he calls the Yadis uh, devil worshippers, uh, he has 
Tibetan Buddhist as being satanic. And the same thing, you know, you know, he says that, you know, the lesser brethren is a line from the Quran, but if it is, I can't find it. You know, I'm not a Quran expert. So if someone does know where it came from, please, please let me know. And because he was a lawyer for mortuaries and the mortuary business, this takes place after this sort of sage world traveler dies and his body is waiting to be buried. I'm not going to spoil it, but it is truly, in my opinion, the best pulp story out there, and it's not easy to find. Originally, it was published in the 1940 version of Strange Stories, and I believe the October issue. In 1994, Barnes & Noble did a bunch of collections of public domain short stories, one of them was a hundred uh, creepy uh, critter tales. And they weren't all, a lot of them were public domain, but uh, not all of them. They did the hardback version and then a paperback version the next year. And that's where I picked it up at a Barnes & Noble, probably late 90s, in their discounted book rack. And, and that's, I love that story. I was just, that was really my introduction to the actual writings of Quinn, and it is an amazing story. I'm not going to spoil it. If you can get it, then definitely. If you can track down that book, or since then it's been published in two other anthologies that I'm aware of. One is uh, Tales of the Fantastic and Supernatural, and the other is Someday I Will Kill You. That's not me making a threat. No, that's the name of the anthology. To best of my knowledge, it is not online. And I'm not sure if Quinn is public domain or not. He has been dead now for 54 years. I just don't know how the law goes. Um, but he's, there's not as much interest. Like I said, where Lovecraft fame and popularity picked up, you know, posthumously, Quinn started being forgotten, though he was, by many accounts and by many different metrics, the most popular of the pulp and successful of the pulp writers. And The Lesser a Brother Mourn, it is definitely proof that he could write an amazing story. Uh, so if you do have a chance to pick that up, absolutely, by all means, I would. You really are going to be doing yourself uh, a favor. That Barnes & Noble anthology, I think last time I checked, you can use, still pick it up, used copy, like under 10 bucks uh, through used bookstores online. It's a treat. Uh, I definitely would recommend it, you know, for the Quinn story alone, but it's got a it's got a lot of good stories. Uh, I believe some Lovecraft, uh, the st short story that the movie The Mimic is based on uh, appeared. Uh, just some really good stories. So um, I think it's about time that uh, we get back with Gretchen and DB 
and I think we're going to be talking about... Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of... Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. Did you know that I don't know what the next thing that I'm going to be talking about is? Um, <laughs> what I do know is one of my favorite things to drink ever is coffee one of my favorite coffee coffees is copper cow coffee i've been talking about copper cow for a while it's a vietnamese pour over uh super cool you can just uh compost it at the end uh check the show notes on how to get a discount on it and uh i don't know get a subscription get it sent to your door it's really good stuff great for camping great for work uh, great for if you're out and about and just need some hot water and coffee, and it's really good. You just, however strong you want it, is how much water you put into it. Four to eight ounces of water. It's really good. They've got all kinds of good flavors. My personal favorite is the lavender, and check it out. And the lattes are really good. The condensed milk chocolate is mm. really good. I just eat it by itself and then drink the coffee. All right. Anyway, check them out. Copper Cow in the show notes. Have a good one. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song yet. Dave and DB and could you go to the movies? Hopefully next week we'll have a brief.
So we're talking about the gate. Gretchen, can you tell me about the gate? Gosh, I mean, it's one of those movies that I, I feel like everybody caught on cable, right? Yeah. Like yeah. either if you didn't catch it on just regular standardized cable, you caught it on one of those like USA up all up night. All night. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, was, I, I, I want to say full moon production, but probably not. It just had that kind of vibe for it. Yeah. It was a Canadian movie. It is a Canadian movie. <laughs> yeah. Canadian, which is pretty funny because uh, like, you know that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Alliance Entertainment. Alliance, okay. thank you. What's funny about that is like being how the rules in Canada were really strict at the time for like them shooting this and they shooting in the backyard. And um, one of the blurbs I read about it said that that opening scene where the, the tree is being excavated, uh -huh. they actually had to get that from that tree from another place because it was very much against law to cut down um, healthy trees. Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes so sense. That whole that whole opening scene is like completely manufactured, of course. You know, movie magic. Oh yeah, but yeah. This is a baby, baby Stephen Dorff. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Isn't he just a precious little thing in this movie? I love this movie. I mean, this is the one I wanted to show this to my kid when they were when they were little, but um, they were kind of more gravitated to the thing. Uh, as yeah, like yeah. a their first horror film that they really Whoa. dug, but okay. this one has was like a more grown up version of um, Monster Squad, but not quite too scary, but a little scary. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's it's somewhere between Monster Squad and Evil Dead Two, but the yeah. or, or actually what I think is a little bit better, it's somewhere between Poltergeist and Evil Dead Two for its like scariness. Yeah. And it's 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 graphicness it's like there's some stuff that's scary as hell but it doesn't ever go too overboard but there's yeah. like stop motion stuff that's kind of cool and crazy and awesome in it as well and it's like it's such a cool movie so in the late 80s there was this short time where there was children's horror yeah. yes Gremlins, Monster Squad, even Goonies, maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, so a couple of things, I think, came in. Uh, that this movie could probably only have been made a year or two other way of 1987. Yes. Oh, yeah, the PMRC, things like that. Yes, oh, exactly. PG-13. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is that? PMRC is like Tipper Gore and the music stuff. This is... M something. MMPA ratings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, beyond that, like, I mean, because in the South, you wouldn't have been able to see this movie on the, I mean, you, I don't think this movie was ever played on the big screen that I remember. Uh -huh. Maybe The Gate 2 was, but I really don't think it was, honestly. If I remember properly, it was just something I saw on, online. I mean, not online. Jesus. <laughs> on all my cable. So yeah. I think it had a decent release, actually. Yeah. And, and it went up against Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beverly wow. Hills Cop 2 came out the next week. Oh, yeah. It had a, it beat its budget, so that's pretty good. $13.5 yeah. in the box office. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And, and if if it had been made today, yeah, I think it would have gotten an R. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the the script was originally an R-rated script. It was totally blood and gore, and then <laughs> uh, 
they decided to uh, cut back on it. Like um, what I was reading said that the uh, the original writer like wrote this with like a abundant gore and death and that the studio made him tone it down because they didn't think it made could market a movie predominantly starring children to adults. So that's yeah. what its main um, problem was, is that people were like, kids won't like this. Yeah. <laughs> or adults won't like this, but kids will like this. So they were like, yep. let's take that from a 10 to a five, maybe some sixes on sometimes. Like, I mean, there's some intense stuff like the the dog being hugged to death. scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, gosh, I didn't register that as the kid actually Terry, like hugging the the dog to death. Like, I thought maybe the dog had already passed away, but that's the impression that you get. Yeah. What did you guys think? The, the, the father, the doppelganger, the father's face melting. Oh, oh that was yeah. gnarly. The almond milk is, is, is I, I think, I thought of it as the last time I watched it. I was like, that's like almond milk, but. <laughs> Gosh, oh, even man. like the minions were kind of scary. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're minions. But... <laughs> those, were, those were all actors, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was forced perception. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that stuff was so cool. Positive perception. Yeah. yeah. But I think the best effect, honestly, is the eye and the hand. Yes. Oh, yeah. I used to have a really rad T-shirt that I got at um, Monster Palooza that had just because you as the gate you don't see a whole lot of like merchandise for that um, movie. No. I don't. I guess people are just like it's a, such a kids on bike kind of film that they were like, Meh, you know. Yeah. But. I um I had this really rad T-shirt that I found from like I think it's like London 1857 or something like that 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 label but it was like just of the hand and then mm-hmm. it had all the background was like all the album art for the um the band. Oh cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys um know that like they were there was actually like a 3D remake that you remember Alex Winter from like Lost Boy yeah. or um yeah. yeah, Lost- yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was gonna do a 3D remake of the film, but like a, I guess want to say like the early teens, like the 2011, 2010. He would he would be a perfect director for that. Right? Oh man, if, if if you've seen Freaks, he's or any of the Butthole Surfer stuff that he's directed. It's oh man, he's amazing. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cool though? Like a 3D version of the game? Can you yeah. imagine? Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, no, I, I remember there was a tape my buddy made off of like HBO Showtime or whatever it was at the time, Cinemax, and it had um, Munchies. Oh uh, God! The Wraith. Wow. And uh, and 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 this on it, and um, the Wraith was the last one, and it's like the last two minutes of the Wraith are cut off. It's like, oh yeah, well we know how what it ends. It's just you know Cheryl, uh, Finn being like, ah, we're safe or whatever. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> I can't remember how it ended because I've only seen the ending twice. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was on that, and uh, yeah, that that's that's just like one of those movies that I saw. A lot. It's like I've seen that uh, this, and I want to say like Return of the Living Dead, like so many times as as just a child. <laughs> I this and People Under the Stairs. I think. Oh were, my god! 
Yeah, I watched that one too much. <laughs> I never saw that until like the last few years. And I was like, I, I just saw it like probably about four or five years ago. Oh, wow. And I was like, why the hell haven't I seen this movie? This movie is amazing. I feel like they have a similar vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, no. And the thing I wanted to talk about is it does have a very kind of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 feel to it. You've got this this dark book. You've got a recording, you know. Uh, the book it, is an album, though. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, it's, it's, the, it's copied from the original book, though, that this, this band yeah. worshipped. And the band's real, by the way. Oh. That, that Are they? Yeah. So that particular album was not. But the name and the logo was off of some Canadian uh, band. Okay. In fact, there's a bunch of like Toronto, like the uh, it's Terry who has that ja- has that jacket with the band. Yeah, he's got his metal those, vest. Those are real bands. Okay. Yeah, totally. It had Venom. I mean, he had like yeah. a Venom on the back of it. What I was gonna say, I respect about uh, Mr. Terry is that he had a Duran Duran poster up on the wall. Yeah, like he had all the other like he had like Slayer and like um, Wasp, <laughs> and then he had like. Duran Duran. I was like, yeah, sir. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> you can't listen to metal all the time. <laughs> Gotta listen to some Duran Duran. I'm hungry like the wolf. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it, Terry, Terry's such a, Terry's like the fun character in the movie. There's always like that one fun character in a horror movie or like the person who explains things or knows something about something. He's, he's like a deliverer of information, but also of misinformation. And also like in some ways gets the ball rolling with the demon stuff. Otherwise it's like, good thing Terry was there or they wouldn't know anything about anything. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of carries the story, but like, I feel like that, that was the reason why we set up with the, um, the slumber, not the slumber party, but the party that they, the teenagers have yeah and they were there playing like light as a feather heavy as a stone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. i feel like that sets up like the paranormal beginning and then we have like oh the album happens okay. and yeah something else i i i i uh really noticed about this is i don't know about how where you grew up but where i grew up it looked like 1980 whatever it but like people dressed like how people really dressed it totally. wasn't like i don't know if if you watch stuff that's set in the 80s nowadays and they always like put people in like stuff that no one would ever wear or like stuff that only in like ads or stuff people wore but it's like in this movie they're like just okay everyone just wear what you normally wear except for you Mr. Terry, we've got a special jacket for you. <laughs> Here's your battle vest. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, like, if you look at pictures of them now, like, Terry, that guy still looks that doofy. <laughs> like, yeah. Think that's okay. awesome. That's like, cool. yes. Oh, bless his heart. I hope he does. Ch- I hope he does conventions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we know, like, Mr. Dwarf, what he's doing. I mean, after he, what, he went on to be... Blade, he was in Blade and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Big Frost. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, what did you guys think of um, 
that I was actually going to say the slumber party scene. I wanted to circle back to that. So remember the girl who is, this is so deep cut. It's going to be this okay. dumb. All right. So remember the girl who is telling the, um, like is telling everybody like how to do the. Oh, the, the, the kind of the, the, uh, I don't, I don't want to say weird girl, but I want to say the weird girl, the girl that doesn't quite fit in. She's kind yeah, of like, yeah. It's like, she's not like, she's not like all the other girls. She's got, she knows some spooky things yeah. she knows about the other side. Yeah. So that actress, funny enough, is always going to be in my head because she played a small role on um, Friday the 13th, the series. Oh. <laughs> a series? Okay. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So there was, a, there was one episode where there was a, a magical compact that when you looked in it and you, the person who reflected past you was, was, was destined to die and yeah. you would get beautiful from, or like, Either you would turn beautiful or people would think that you were beautiful, like perceive you as beautiful. And she played like the ugly girl, bless her heart. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll always remember her in that in that role, like just because she was so like just vicious. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Ingrid Vinegar. I think so. G-E-N-I-N-G-E-R. Yes, Paula. She's like, uh, she plays the character Paula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, she's got dreadlocks as an adult. And uh, something I wanted to say is we have a children's movie. We have a horror movie. So we have the tropes from a children's, all, all the tropes and the characters from a children's adventure movie, but also the tropes and the characters of a horror movie Except for everyone's like uh, early. I don't think anyone's supposed to be over 16. No, I get the impression they're like the the sister 16 and like everybody is about that age because they're first of all, I was surprised there was no sex. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, these wholesome 16 year olds. I mean, obviously they were drinking and smoking a little bit. I think I remember people smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, but But I I, I think of these kids as being like, uh, wholesome dorks, like wholesome Midwest dorks, but I mean they're they're wholesome Canadian dorks. But it's like, oh man, these guys are really getting it going up in Duluth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I always thought it took place in like you know it just like looks like it takes place somewhere in the Midwest or like Ohio or Wisconsin or something like that. Because Everyone's very wholesome and. Even like the 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 scary kid is like a big dork. It's like you're not gonna go like. I mean, I feel like now if they cast Terry, Terry would be like you know some scruffy metalhead who clearly smoked pot, and you know it'd be it'd be the guy from like Stranger Things. Oh, and that. we see like a terrible like scene of him like cry masturbating or something like that. Like to make that's how modern I think modern movies would do that. Yeah. Like to make him be as weird as possible. Yeah. Like, and, so we and, know that he's the weird guy. Yeah. And there would definitely be nudity and it would be rated R. And yeah. Totally. <laughs> everyone would be over, all the actors yeah. would be over 18, but everyone would be supposed to be like 16 to like 19. Yeah. And no but one but would play with it. It model so, rockets. What's that? Right. It was so tidy too, right? Like, yeah. whoop, the end is done. Clap, clap. Yeah. yeah. The dog's alive. Hey, all right. right. We are PG 13. The dog didn't really die. Totally. 
Yeah, and it's it's like I I thought about this movie and the kids in it, and it's like they 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 play with rockets, and they have like this like big, big manicured lawn, and I'm like these kids are probably in like 4-H or something, but. <laughs> Do they have 4-H? It's what Canadians think America is like. Or oh, I know, I know, and um, it, it, there's something about this that made me think of Troll Two. It's it's like someone else's concept of what America looks like, but this is a little bit closer. Like, you didn't have teenagers dancing around on their underwear doing upside-down hand goggles or anything, or telling their boyfriend that, my dad'll snip off your penis, your little tiny penis with a pair of... I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 nothing oh. weird like that. It's It's just kind of like, they're just dorky, wholesome... You know, it's not like everyone drinks like three glasses of milk during the movie, but you know. No, but like the sister, the brother sister relationship, you can tell they actually care about each other. And it's oh, like yeah. the older sister is on that preface of like, does she want to conform and be like the other girls, or does yeah. she want to still kind of maintain her childlike stuff? Like, the fact that she was interested in NASA and like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I really like that character because they could have yeah. done, they could have made her really shitty, but they made oh, her yeah. like really a kind of a great big sister. She was, no, she, that's turned what I... into, she was like, yeah, my brother's a dork. Yeah. His friends are dorks. But also when he got hurt from levitating, which, yeah. which I was like, you know, we're all cool with this. That, that happens. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. like the, uh, but she was so like gentle with them and like felt really bad for him being embarrassed. Cause that was embarrassing. You cried from all these other older kids. Yeah. 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 No, no. Everyone was very kind of cool or uh, his sister was cool about that, but everyone was kind of like, Oh, that kid just levitated and broke two lights. It's like, they were totally chill about it. Yeah. That I remember thinking that was so weird. The first time, and I'm like, oh, I must have missed something when I watched it the first time. And then every other time after that, I'm like, no, this is dumb. How come no one's like, oh, my God, we levitated that kid? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to say, though, I'm really um, what's cool about it is like the the guy who did uh, one of the cool one of the many cool things about this film is that the guy who did the um, was a special effects supervisor. Of this uh-huh. went on to do like. Um, he made Gollum and he oh, worked cool. with on King Kong and just like, what is it? He worked on Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, he did like the, 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 um, gosh, he was part of the Lord of the Rings, but he didn't make like, he was, he was part of the the team that made Gollum, yeah, which is yeah. cool. Like that's, yeah. that's something to go on to for sure. I mean, I thought the special effects in this were really, really fun. Oh and, Yeah. Slightly traumatizing, but also awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole concept of the wall breaking open, someone being inside of it, and then... Such a cool urban legend, right? I mean, we all dra- heard that urban legend. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then dragging someone into the wall, the wall closing, not being able to go into the wall, not knowing what's happening. I mean, it's just stuff like that that's like, oh, my God, what would you do in that situation? Ah, kind of stuff. And I'm like, I remember hearing is... stuff like that. People say, saying like, oh, that house has somebody buried in their walls. Oh, yeah. No, I remember stuff like foundations and stuff like that is like, yeah, that kind of stuff, too. 
but <laughs> or like this this building has a bunch of people and it's in its uh cement floor or something like that well, there is in japanese like mythology and or not mythology but like there are some like old um stories about uh um i, I can't remember they're called the hikikomori but that's not the right word it's um there are people that are buried in like standing up inside of things um, oh. to ward off evil. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes that's, those stories are real. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I they mean, don't if, come out of the wall. <laughs> if yeah, no, if you if you bury someone inside of an object standing up, I mean, you're going to have a haunted house. I mean, that's how you get ghosts. <laughs> if True. there's one way that I've ever heard that it's like huh, this house is haunted and we don't know why. It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe there's people in the walls. But yeah, people in the walls. Not under the stairs, but in the walls. Um, Yeah, anything else you want to talk about with this film? Mm. I mean, it's a pretty easy one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, it's, it's PG-13 and... I don't know. I I I say like film Hito, sense. Hitobashira. Sorry, that was oh. what the name of that is. Okay, but I mean, I'd be willing to show this to my ten-year-old. Yeah. 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 I mean, PG thirteen. You 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 have to have a really sensitive thirteen-year-old. <laughs> I mean, for 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 this to be actually PG thirteen, I feel like you'd have to have like. A sensitive thirteen-year-old who's like, oh. oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, for for kids, it, I, I feel like though that has like that fever dream quality, and that would make it a little bit more scary for. Yeah, yeah. People. This I don't this... really remember the terror that I had. I don't think I remember being very scared of this because, like, my first horror film was. So watching from behind my my dad's chair, trying to like, because I would oftentimes I would like hide behind the couch or behind the chair and uh -huh. watch the movies that they were watching when they were having their adult time watching uh -huh. movies. And one of them was like, I guess, like uh, this house possessed or something like that. And it was a okay. really, really scary. And so for me, that bar had already been risen pretty high. And so. <laughs> It needed to be pretty scary for it to be scary, but I do what I always loved about this is just that it's just like an easy. It's almost like a comfort movie because it's yeah, not I like get that. because it doesn't. It's not nihilistic at all. There's no. It, this is a, such a great palate cleanser after our last three movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I just think that's like it's such a good fun <laughs> one. I mean, and it has some like Lovecraftian vibes. I mean, you got to admit the major monster at the end where it has yeah. like the multi-arm thing, that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super Lovecraftian. I, I agree. A Shantak. <laughs> <laughs> he had a horse face. I mean, let's he go. had a horse face. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even the minions are, I think kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, those, those things are creepy and oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say they appear again in something else that isn't this movie, but a full moon production. But that could just be me recalling something I saw in the 90s. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'll have to do a I little mean, deep dive on that one. They are a little bit generic looking, but yeah. I could see them being in a lot of different movies or like, <sighs> I don't know. Like, I, I know it's a full body suit that it's forced, uh, per, uh, forced perspective. Yeah. And, but yeah, no, it's like all the effects in this movie are practical because, um, 
computer graphics didn't exist <laughs> yeah. in movies yet, really. I mean, and it's to its advantage. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. If if this was one of the first movies that used computer graphics, uh, yeah, no, it 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 wouldn't have looked good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but oh goodness, uh, how they did things that like like the it it's filmed in a house. It, you can tell that it's filmed in a house. It's just filmed in a really big house <laughs> with no furniture barely in it. Um, yeah, no, a, a lot of that, a lot of the outdoor scenes though are on a stage. Okay, are okay. they? Yeah, um, my understanding is part of it was because the house that they filmed in, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were building around it. Oh, so. okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not it, seeing anything else about the um, the monsters being reused. Okay. I guess that was something I'd seen in my head. <laughs> well, I think there's a. I think there were a lot of invitations. Yeah. 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 I think like if you if you look back at the full moon catalog in that time period, there was a lot of like at least um, maybe nods to it, or maybe there were certain people that worked on that makeup team where worked on other films. I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to, like I said, I'd have to deep dive that guy. Yeah, and, and not exactly, but even kind of get the vibes in like Dollman. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I was gonna say it's like something like uh, maybe not that particular monster, but something that they used for like the guy who made Ghoulies or like the 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 people that were involved with all that full moon stuff that yeah. or in all and, and and during the period of the child-friendly rubber little monster movies. Mm-hmm. There was so many of the, like earlier, I, I mentioned Munchies and, you know, Ghoulies and Gremlins is one of those kid-friendly movies that's also a horror movie. Ghoulies <laughs> yeah. is kid-friendly? No, not Ghoulies. I, I meant Gremlins. Oh, okay, I was like, wow. I think the only thing that one was, I don't remember it being, I remember it being a little more intense because it was yeah. like, sex and stuff but yeah and and munchies i don't remember if it's pg-13 or r i remember it was a comedy more than anything yeah Um, that wasn't funny but uh (laughs) (laughs) it didn't have to be a good comedy just no no it was a late night horror comedy but yeah no um we should sometime do like the full moon catalog that'd be kind of funny to see oh yeah yeah to watch rewatch some of those guys like the what are those like uh, puppet master movies? Ooh, oh yeah, Ooh, those some of those are mm, <laughs> terrible. Maybe season nineteen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Full moon catalog season nineteen. Watching subspecies. Oh yeah, all 17. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking about the gate. And trying to figure out what the heck a Shantak is. And see Barry Quinn, man, what a bunch of writing that guy did. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll 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 see you next time where we're talking about Jacob's we ladder. Doing? We're talking about Jacob's ladder. And what's the main I think it's like the shining techro. Oh yeah, head. yeah. We're gonna be talking about the shining trapezohedron. Trapeze. <laughs> so. Which doctor <laughs> like threw it?
the ocean. What's that? Dr. Dexter throws it into the ocean. Oh. Does he? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you all next week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out anywhere you find podcasts. Go to pgttcm.com to see all the show notes and everything that you're missing. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the YouTubes. So check us out. And yeah, check out pgttcm.com. Find out if we're going to be at a convention near you, how to get a cool T-shirt or, I don't know, a coffee mug or something that you tell everyone's a coffee mug, but secretly it's a wine mug. Anyway, you do you. Uh, Gretchen, Dave, thank you again for being on the show, and we will see you all next week. Goodbye, everyone. See you soon. All right. That was a good episode, everyone. Thank yeah. You. yeah. Sorry, right. it was like a little bit of a question of whether we're going to start or not. I'm sorry, but I was like, um, bye. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, I was goofing off, and I totally thought today was Wednesday. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you guys, um, I'm not going to be able to record the week of, hang on, I'm going to be in Colorado that week. It's the, the Thursday, um, June 8th. That's the only day I'm going to miss. Okay. No problem. No problem. But other than that, I'll be back on schedule. Um, I was thinking about whether I could record there, but I was like, nah, that'd be rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, don't, don't record. Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I do stuff like that. You don't have to. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, both of you. Okay. And I will talk to you next week. And I'll All get this right. right over to you. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, I'll talk to y'all later. All right. Bye. See you guys Bye. next week. All right. Bye. Bye.